I am going to start the word this morning a little bit differently before I pray. If you are familiar with your Bible, you will see this as being unbelievable. And I just want you to see how absurd it is when we are not familiar with what the Word of God says. And I'm reading this before because I think I need to pray for myself after reading it. Sam was asked to retell the parable of the Good Samaritan. He responded enthusiastically. Once there was a man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among thorns. And the thorns sprung up and choked him as he went out. He had no money, and so he met the queen of Sheba. And she gave him a thousand talents of gold and a, a thousand changes of raiment. He then got into a chariot and drove furiously. And when he was under a juniper tree, his hair got tangled by a limb, and he hung there for many days. The ravens brought food to him, and he ate and he drank. He ate 5,000 loaves and two fish. <laughs> One night when he was hanging there, he fell asleep, and his wife Delilah came and cut off his hair. And he dropped off and fell on the stony ground. But he, he got up, and he began... And it began to rain for 40 days and 40 nights. And he hid in a cave and lived on locusts and wild honey. Then he went to visit a servant who invited him to have supper at his house. But he refused because he had married a wife. And the servant went out in the highways and byways and compelled them to come in. He went down to Jericho. And when he got there, he looked up and he saw that old queen Jezebel sitting on a window, and she laughed and laughed and laughed, and he said to them, throw her down, and they threw her down. Throw her down again, and they threw her down 70 times seven, and there were 12 basket loads left over. That's what happened when the word of God is not something that we live with and abide with, and James is dealing with that. James is going to zero in on people who hear the word of God again and again and again, and it has absolutely no effects on them at all. I want to think that each of you is here this morning because you are concerned about your spiritual life, and James has a word to say to us, not to you, but to us. Because this is not a message that I thought this congregation needed. This is where we are in the study of the book of James. And so, with that little humorous, little kind of unbelievable narrative of the Good Samaritan, I trust that we will soon forget that and that the Holy Spirit will help us to understand that that only happens when we're not in the Word of God and the Word of God is not in us. And so before we get into the text, let us pray. Now, Father, it would be so easy for us to think that those who are not here this morning need to hear this Word, but they are not here because 
there are things that would have kept them from being here, but we are here, so we need to hear it. Not only the people who will listen, but the one who speaks it. We began this part of the service asking the Holy Spirit to fall afresh on us and to give us understanding to your truth, to open our understanding so that we might not only hear, but we will be doers of the word. To this end, I ask for the help of the Spirit of God that the will of God will be done in this place through God's word this morning. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Dr. Kenneth Hughes, who was pastor of the Wheaton College Bible Church, in his book on the, uh, this section, said this, It is important that we do not miss what James is saying here. An unwillingness to listen, a sinful tongue, and unrighteous anger are evil. If we are slow to hear God's word, quick to speak, quick to anger, moral filth is not only our lot, but our destiny. Thus, if we wish to benefit from the word, we must get rid of sins that the word reveals to us. If the word is not active and alive to us, we must do a spiritual house cleaning. Is the Bible relevant? Do you thrill to read it? Is it sweet to your soul? Do you find that it is always unfolding more riches? If not, do some spiritual house cleaning. That's what James is saying in my text this morning. My title to this text is How to Hear the Word of God. There are different ways in which people hear. And there are three things that James gives to us, the way how that we should hear. And he begins by saying this. If we are to hear the word of God, not only what goes in here, but what goes from here down to the, to the, to the heart, where the, the true spiritual hearing takes place, we must hear the word of God humbly. We must hear the word of God humbly. Look at verse 21. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, in humility receive the word implanted, which is able to save your soul, protect it, able to save it, deliver it, the inner being where the word goes. Listen to the word of God humbly. The key to understanding verse 21, we must go to verse 18. The question we must ask is how was the word of God planted and who did it? Verse 18 says this, of his own will, speaking of God, he engrafted the word. So he's suggesting that the word is already there when we get to verse 22 because it was engrafted in verse 18. And to be engrafted means that's when we became alive 
That's when God awakened our deadness. He regenerated us and he planted his word there. That's what God has promised to do. God becomes, if you please, the divine surgeon. Like a, like a medical doctor who is doing an implant. What God puts within our heart is his word. I have a, a text here. It's somewhere. It's from the, 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 the book of um, Jeremiah. The, the, the prophet Jeremiah, chapter 31. He said, God said, and the day will come when I will put my word. I will put my word in their hearts. God, the Holy Spirit then, puts the truth of God's word, Ephesians chapter 1, 13, which we have said, and that word then becomes a part of us. He puts it there. But it's not supposed to simply be there as something that happened yesteryear. It is there as something that is actually doing something within us. Like a seed you put into the ground, it begins to germinate. It begins to do things. Once that word is implanted, here it is, I welcome it. I welcome it. That's what the word means, to receive it humbly. I receive it like a baby receiving milk from its mother's breast. I receive it like a son receiving a key for a new car from his father. Listen to 1 Peter 1, 23. You have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but with imperishable seed through the living and abiding word of God. The implanted word creates a love and a longing for the word. The implanted word does something within me. Listen to 1 Thessalonians 2, 13. And for this reason, says St. Paul, we are constantly thanking God that when you receive from us the word of God, when you welcome it, you welcome it not as words of men or a man, but for what it really is, the word of God. When you open this book, when God opened your heart, the Holy Spirit breathed the word inside of you and that word begins to do things that it, it creates something that was not there before. I shared with you last week how it happened to me. Nobody told me I was supposed to open the Bible early in the morning. I couldn't get enough. It was there, and every time I go, there was something, and up to this time, it continues to be there. That word has not lost its power, its energy. It's, Jesus said, the word that I speak to you, they are life. When Moses was speaking to the people of, of Israel going into the promised land, he said to them, the words that I'm speaking to you, they are your life. Don't take them lightly. And so, my friends, the proof, the proof that God has placed that word there, even if you are not abiding it now, you are fighting the fact that you ought to be doing it. You ought to be doing it. You ought to be doing it. If we value the Bible as God's holy word, which we look to as the authority of our belief, our guide for living, our motivation for missions, 
it contains absolute truth and infallibly reveals God's plan for our lives. We have to receive it humbly. But not only how we receive the, the word. It's our attitude when we receive the word. Listen to how he says we should receive it with meekness. If I come to church with absolutely no concern about what God has to say, I'm just going to do this out of duty. It is something I do. I, I go. If, I'm, if I don't go, I, I, it won't make any difference. Not so. With meekness means that I come with an attitude that values what I have discovered about myself from God's word. You know, God's word is not really accommodating to a proud heart. <laughs> a proud heart says, I can do what I want. I am my own master. Nobody tells me what to do. God's word says, you're not your own. You've been bought with a price. A meek heart is a teachable heart. I am coming to hear from God. All week long, I have been in a world that is screaming at me at every point. There has been nothing from what I have seen from my heart. I am going to go. I, 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 can, I can't wait. I'm going to go with an attitude not only to accept, but an attitude to receive. It is an attitude of spirit, my spirit, in which I accept the dealings of God and the good that God says I can have if I abide in his word. I am not disputing what God says. Uh, you know, you know what St. Paul said? Paul said, in me, in my flesh, dwells nothing good. Now, I'm going to tell you, if I were writing that, I wouldn't say that about Winston. <laughs> if I were writing this book, I wouldn't say what a creature I am. You know, one of the guys at the conference this past week said to, said to me, Winston, what, what are you reading these days? And... and I found myself, I struggled for a few minutes because I found myself wanting to tell him how many books I'm reading at this moment. And he only asked me about what book I'm reading, not how many. See, pride. And God's word confronts our pride. That self-sufficiency. That, 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 that autonomous way in which I want to live my life. What, how do I experience meekness? Meekness is that inwrought grace of spirit which accepts God's word without backtalk, without disputing or questioning. You, you, remember when, <laughs> you remember when Peter went to the house of Cornelius? Just before he went, I should say. And he had a dream and he saw all kinds of creatures coming down from heaven and he was in, on, on the housetop. And a, a voice from heaven came and said, Peter, eat. And, and you remember Peter's first words? Not so, Lord. Not so, Lord. <laughs> we don't tell God not so. 
we don't tell God what we agree with in his word and what we disagree with. I know so many stories I won't even get into one right now. James writes, in meekness we are to accept the implanted word. God opens our heart to see his word. And for, for many people, God opens their hearts and they see the word and they say, uh-oh, I don't think I want to go there. I think it was G.K. Chesterton who put it this way. Christianity has not been tried and found wanting. It has been tried and left untried because of its difficulty. The difficulty. I'm going to have to surrender my autonomy, my spirit. But my friends, it is at this very point. Listen to what Jesus said about the meek people. Meek People will inherit the earth. All that God has in time and space and in eternity belongs to meek people. Not to proud people. Not to people who are full of themselves. Not like the Pharisee who prayed. Lord, I thank you that I'm not like this man. I do this and I do that. And if you want to know how much I give, just ask the church treasurer and they'll tell you. Uh, because that's the kind of man I am. I fast twice, twice a week. If you want to know how many times I go to church, just ask the steward of the church and tell you how many times I am there. God is not impressed with what we do. He's impressed with what we are. What we are. The word of God. Even Jesus described himself how? I am meek. Jesus said, I am meek. And if the Son of God, who put the stars into place, defines his presence here as a meek person, then, my friends, what about you and me? And what James is saying, that if we have things in our lives, anger, gossip, whatever it might be, I don't want to look at, you know, we... Christians tend to focus on one thing. The Bible has a whole lot of a category that it speaks about. If we have those things, James said, we will not hear. They will keep us from surrendering to the voice of the ultimate authority. James then tells us, if we are to hear God's word, when we come to church, we must accept it and our attitude must be right. You know, one of the things I... I, I don't say it. I don't think you've heard me saying this before. But so some years ago, not some years ago, a couple of years ago, my, my sister knew that I was getting ready to travel somewhere. I don't remember where. And, and she texted me a message. And she said I, I could get a flight on this airline. <laughs> and I, I, was, I was thankful for it until she said, I know this, this is so, but I've got to be careful. I'm texting this from church. I'm texting this from church? I thought you was there to worship God. I thought you were, and, and I'm saying this, friends. I'm, I'm very careful now. Those of you who have your Bibles on that little thing in your hand, make sure you're listening to God's word. <laughs> make sure that, that, that you're, you're not doing somewhere else, going somewhere else with it. You know, I remember I told you about the books I used to read before I was a Christian, Sports Illustrated and 
uh, Ebony and so on. You've got to be as old as I am to remember Ebony magazine. That's what I used to read uh, in my day. Then when I became a Christian, I was in college my first year, and I wanted to know how the Dodgers were doing against the Yankees. And I was going to church. And those of you who are as old as I am will remember the reel-to-reel tape. Put one reel here, another reel here, and I got a really big reel. Because church was two hours long. And I, I had everything set in my room to listen to, for the game to be recorded. That after church, I will hear it. But guess what? I was wondering if the tape would run out while I was in church. So I got almost nothing out of being in church that morning. I was thinking about the game, that it was being taped, or if there's enough tape with it. My friends, we can come, we can come to this place with absolutely no desire to hear. It's just, it's just a habit. No matter what it may have been, do we come because that word that was implanted in us is asking for water? To, 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 to be, uh, Jesus said, now you are clean through the words I have spoken to you. The word reminds us of the need we have in our lives. But if we don't have the attitude, if those things are keeping us from the word, my friends, the word will never mean anything to us, to you or to me. So James is really getting to the place now where he's interfering with how we listen, not simply why we listen. So we must hear God's word humbly. We must hear the word of God eagerly. Verse 22, eagerly. What do I mean? Listen to what he says in verse 22. But prove yourselves. That's the translation of the, 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 the Greek word there. But you must be doers, doers of the word, and not hearers only. Doers. What, what happens when we hear, we must say, because God has spoken, I will trust and obey. Two men got ordained Tuesday night at the conference. And as they were being questioned by the superintendent, he asked them certain things, tall things, dangerous things. And then they would answer, I will, God being my helper. I will, God being my helper. That is how, my friends, we respond to God's word. When God, by his spirit, shows us, when we begin to hear, we want to obey. We know that to obey would mean that certain things will have to, 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 to be cut out in my life. I do not leave room for the devil to snatch God's word out of, out of, my, out of my mind, out of my heart. In Luke chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus tells a story of the, when the word of God is preached, when certain attitudes, listen, the devil is able to come and snatch that word right away. Right away. It hasn't registered. It doesn't go anywhere. That's not how we hear. We must hear with the heart. To come here today like a person 
who wants to be a doer, we must come with the desire. It must not be awakened when we, when we enter in. If you have no desire, you must ask God to awaken it in your... If he has planted, if he has planted and grafted that word, put it there. You may argue with a lot of things. And, 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 and there are times, my friends, when we will find ourselves saying to God, not so. Because what he's asking us to do goes against the grain of how we think, how we feel, how we behave. You know, when, when God says... What, let, let me just look at it this way for a minute. What do you think America would be like today if all the Christians in politics are praying for the other Christian? That's what the scripture says. We should pray for one another. We should pray for those who despitefully use us. That's what the Bible says. The, the, the scriptures, the Bible says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. If she obeys you like the church obeys Christ. No, it doesn't say that. It says, husband, love your wives as Christ loved the church. It's not saying, let's make a bargain. God does not speak so we can be, be having a dialogue with him. He speaks that we might obey him. He speaks that we might say, the Lord being my helper, I will. We must come with a desire to obey. It is, it is not, Jesus said it this way, Matthew 7, 24 to 26. Every, everyone who hears my word and does them will be like a wise person who builds his house on the rock. And the rains fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew on that house, but it did not fall because it had a firm foundation, God's word. And everyone who hears but does not obey, please look, he has the same experience as the man who obeyed. It's only the, the difference is in the, 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 the conclusion. And everyone who hears the word, they hear it, does not do it, will be like a foolish man who built his house on the, on the sand. And the rains fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew on that house, and it fell, and great was the fall. It is one thing, my friends, to come with this book under your arm, for me to open it on Sunday. But I have to ask myself the question, Do I practice it at home? Would I be afraid for you to call my home and ask my wife about my behavior at, at, in our home? You should have that freedom to do that. And I must make sure that if you do, I have nothing to be afraid of. Not perfect. Oh, not perfect. I, I was counseling a man in Toronto when I was there, and he looked at me and said, well, pastor, you know, I'm not perfect, you know. I said, oh, I know that. That's not news. <laughs> I said, what I want to know is, have you ever confessed to being wrong? That was another story. A doer of the word. To come today with a heart that has been prepared by God, not only to hear, 
But when God speaks, I want to listen. Like Peter, when Jesus said to him, cast your net over here. And he said, we have been fishing all night and we've caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word. Because you said it. I heard, uh, I was listening this morning while I was getting ready to Dr. Michael Youssef, um, Church of the Apostles in Atlanta. And he was talking about Abraham, and I've never heard this phrase before. Abraham was, Abraham was told to believe God on a starlit night for generations to come when he had no offspring. God said to him, you are going to have an offspring that is unbelievable. And Abraham didn't even have a child. What made the difference? God said it. And that, my friend, is, is, is what, what we are supposed to be all about, even in this church, that we are not simply people who come to hear someone, but someone, people who come to obey what is said, because what is said from here, having received it as the word of God, we want to obey it. We want to obey it. We don't want to tra traffic in God's word. We don't want to trivialize God's word. One of my prayers, I ask God again and again, please deliver me from presumptuous sins, from secret sins. I, I want to live with my life open before God so that at any time, any time, God can call me to give an account for my walk because I desire to obey his word not simply to hear it. There must be the decision, not only the desire, the decision, not merely a hearer of the word. God doesn't speak for us to dialogue or debate with him. He speaks for us to obey him. We deceive ourselves if we simply hear and think that it is sufficient. Listen to Psalm 95, 7. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. We must come with the attitude of the psalmist, Psalm 119, 18. Open my eyes that I might behold wondrous things from your word. We must hear with a desire to obey. And then we must, must make the decision. And I love what James does here. We must hear it honestly. Eagerly, humbly, eagerly, no, honestly. James 1, 23 and 24. Look, look at the word of God, the, the role that the word of God is. God's word is likened to a mirror that shows exactly where we are. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For... The word of God is living. When he engrafted that word in my heart, it was not a dead plant he put there. It was a living plant. A plant that desires to expand. And my obedience and the watering of what God put there is what causes that. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of, of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, 
and discerning the thoughts and the intent of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight. One of the things that I find very interesting, universal thing, when I was a, a young chap, I, I, when I go to bed at night, if I'm afraid of anything, I pull the sheets over my head. Because if I pull those sheets over my head, nobody can get to them. What a deception. What a deception. This is what James is saying. Just hearing the word of God is like putting a sheet over your head. Now I have that, that verse. Now I went to ch church on Sunday. But let's look at what the word of God does. The word of God is like a mirror that tells me what is wrong with me, not as a sinner, but as a sinning, uh, as a sinning saint. The heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Paul in Romans chapter 7 says, there's no good thing in my heart. I'm a wretched man, says St. Paul. He wasn't condemning himself. He didn't have a negative attitude about himself. What he was saying, in reality, without the grace of God working in me, I would be just like any other person. But God has implanted his word in me. And I am abiding in that word. Jesus said, if you abide in my word and my word abide in you, you may ask. Oh, when God shows me what I am, I take it back to God in prayer. And I, I pray, dear God, please deliver me. That's why I said Psalm 19 to me is a favorite psalm of mine. I want the words of my mouth and the meditation in my heart. Psalm 139, I want God to search out me to make sure that Whatever is, whatever is unclean in my life, in my thoughts, that the word of God will drive it out of my life. That's what the word of God does. But the, the, the word I have there, he remisses the word. He hears it and he remisses. You know, the word remiss simply means not to pay attention to. Not, not to give anything. Listen to what it says. The man who simply hears... It's like a man looking in a mirror. And I thought, isn't that amazing? He didn't say like a woman. A woman doesn't look into a mirror. A woman glares at a mirror. <laughs> Have you ever gone to any, with any man to a restaurant and in the middle of the meal he says, just give me a minute while I go and powder my nose? No. Because when a woman looks into a mirror... She looks to make sure that every human being outside of that room will think that she looks absolutely perfect when she leaves it. But not a man. A man just takes a look and gone. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't, I have never asked my wife, how do, how do I look? But isn't it amazing that James did that? James says, a man who does that is like a man who looks into the word of God and in whom the word of God looks, and immediately he forgets it. He doesn't take time to think, when I leave this place, if I go with this smudge in my, my cheek, if I go with this piece of hair out of control, of course, mine would be out of control, uh, I have to get it corrected. I have, to, I have to allow God's word to do its work. And my friends, oftentimes the reason we don't enjoy God's word is because we're not obeying God's word. 
We are struggling with God. We're fighting God. God is saying things that I don't like. And so I'm like a man, you know, I, I don't, I don't, oh, dear friends, you know, don't, don't leave here today and forget what you heard as soon as you walk through the door. The devil would trick you into it. As you sit around the table, don't forget what you have heard. Don't neglect it. If God has pointed out to you areas of your life that needs cleansing, let his word do it. Let his word have the right of way to your heart, to your mind, to your imagination. Let us not be like the man who looks in the mirror and soon forget what kind of a man he is. Let me close. We talked of George Mueller this past week, this past summer, as one of the biographies night. George Mueller is known more for his faith and, and he never claims to be a man of faith. Others said it. With all the, the orphanage, you know, 10 orphanage in a, in a time when it was impossible for that to happen. But listen to what he said, quote, I saw more clearly than ever that the first great and primary business to which I ought to attend every day was to have my soul in the Lord happy. The first thing is to be concerned about was not how much I might serve the Lord, how I might glorify the Lord, but how I might get my soul into a happy state and how my inner man, my inner self, may be nourished. I saw that the most important thing I had to do was to give myself to the reading and the meditating on the word of God. The one thing, everything else will put, be in, put in place when the word of God is my priority and I'm listening to God, not only as a listener, but as a doer of his word. And Jesus reminds us in Matthew 4 and 4, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds. My friends, God is calling us as a church today, this one and others, to display a lifestyle that is totally, totally understandable only in obedience to him. Pray that God will help us. Pray that God will deliver us from deceiving ourselves thinking that if we have a knowledge without obedience, that it's okay with God. God said it's not. We must hear and we must obey. We must obey because obedience is what leads to a happy soul, a life that is rooted and grounded in the word of God is a life that returns to God in prayer what God teaches him or her. From his word. Let us pray. Take a few moments, friends, to perhaps say, like the psalmist, search me, O God, and know my heart. 
Help me not to forget what you have said, not what Winston has said, what you have said by your spirit. Help us, Lord, to live beyond desire to obey. Not simply desire, but decision to obey. The Lord being my helper, I will obey. Seal every decision made now, Lord, by the work of the Spirit of God. Grant that the fruit might be seen in our lifestyle beyond the doors of, these, of this building. May others know that we have been with Jesus because Jesus is being manifested in our lifestyle. We pray in his name. Amen.